0: Ministry of Bible Fellowship Church. Let's Talk is designed to give you some spiritual truths to consider every day, Monday through Friday. Have you ever had one of those moments when you realized that your initial perception of something was all wrong? You thought you understood what was going on, but then realized that you reached a conclusion that is flawed. It then takes a little while to get everything else in proper view again after the correction has been made. We're going to look at a passage today where the disciples are confronted with just such a situation. In Mark 9, verses 30 through 37, it says this, They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. The scene opens with Jesus telling the disciples that his time with them is short, that he will be killed, but will rise from the dead after three days. According to the Gospel of Mark, this is the second time Jesus has had a conversation so directly with the disciples about his death. But this time, an extra piece of information is added. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. In other words, Jesus is telling them that when this happens, he will actually be handed over into the hands of the ones who will kill him, hinting at the cruel betrayal he would soon face. By now, the disciples should be convinced that Jesus has the ability to prevent this from happening, but he's clarifying that the one who has given sight to the blind, opened the ears of the deaf, miraculously fed thousands of people with a few morsels of food, And called nature into submission at his command, that this same one would be delivered into the hands of mere men who would kill him. This was a lot for the disciples to grasp. And in fact, the text explains that they not only didn't understand, they were even afraid to ask him what he meant. What happens next shows us just how deep their misunderstanding really was. Jesus knew what was in their hearts and even what had been said in a private dispute they had just had. Jesus waited until they were in a more private setting, in the house, the text says, and then Jesus asked this inconvenient question, what were you discussing back there as we were walking to Capernaum? They were once again speechless, this time because they had to confront the fact that they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest you have to wonder if it might not have been at just about this point that one or two of the disciples realized the irony of their argument as they recognized that they were in the presence of true greatness. What follows is an interesting progression of illustrations that Jesus masterfully used as he corrected their understanding of greatness. First, he sat down, assuming the role of teacher, and then called the twelve to join him as he seized this teachable moment. Jesus then made a series of statements that walk through the paradigm shift needed to understand true greatness. Illustration number one, Jesus says, being first looks like being last. The first correcting picture is completely contrary to the common view of greatness that includes power and self-promotion, not the humility of self-denial. Then, illustration number two progresses a little lower as Jesus explains that true greatness looks like being a servant. The Messiah, the rightful king, is saying that greatness looks like serving, not being served requiring another shift in their understanding. Illustration number three. Jesus says that true greatness looks like accepting little children, the most vulnerable and dependent members of society. Perhaps, as Jesus spoke, a few more of the disciples realized just how flawed their idea of greatness really was. Perhaps they remembered all those times when they had been with Jesus and he had practiced true greatness before their very eyes. All those times when they would find him awake before the rest of them so he could spend time alone in prayer. The times when they were all tired, but one more person came asking for Jesus' help and he didn't turn them away. Maybe there were a few who still didn't understand until they heard the cries for mercy from blind Bartimaeus and then watched Jesus stop and restore his sight. Or maybe for some it took the vision of true greatness and the ultimate act of self-sacrifice as he was delivered into the hands of the ones who would kill him. Sadly, we know for one, Judas Iscariot, he didn't understand until it was too late and even stooped to betray the one who embodied true greatness. So let's look to Jesus, the one who not only defined but lived out true greatness in all its glorious detail as he lived a life of self-denial, servanthood, and acceptance of the most overlooked around him. Let's ask Jesus to correct our definition of greatness just as he did for the disciples and for him to show us how to live this out before a watching world who is still wondering what true greatness really looks like. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are our flawless example of greatness. We need your help understanding what this means and how to represent you well before a watching world. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today for Let's Talk. Remember, come what may, only Jesus can define true greatness.